Man, you're just awesome. Because I said unplug and plug it back in. Yeah, you're great. So we're recording now. We're fixing to go live on Facebook. And we are live. This is the Unscripted Podcast with Chris and Bob. I don't think anybody's going to tune in, but thanks for tuning in. Yeah. You good? We live? We're live. All right, cool. This is the Unscripted Podcast. If you're joining us, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Your life is, is unscripted and... Our lives are unscripted, and we want to fill it. With, we want to fill them with scripture. And so, last week we talked in Acts chapter eight, and we we're looking at the conversion of the people in Samaria and and Simon. And so, we're going to dive straight in today. And we told you all last week that we were going to dive into some things on the Holy Spirit. So, really, this is a it's a podcast that hopefully will will help the church the world over, and hopefully this will be something we're gonna cover some questions that I think a lot of people would uh, would need to, I guess, would need answered. So, well, we got our new mic, so I hope that everybody can hear us better. You know, the constant battle that we faced has been audio. You know, when we started this, did you think that audio would be the problem? No, never. I just thought it would be the video, didn't you? Yes. And and here we are. Nobody said anything about video, and we're using the camera in the back back here. I literally bought that on the way to the hospital when Liam was being born. I just zipped into Best Buy, grabbed something, and came back out, and here it is 10 years later, working <laughs> fine. Nobody has an issue with it. Yeah, our $30 webcams we're using, no problem. Yeah, we were using that camera last week. My wife texted me, and she's like, uh, your audio's echoing on... <laughs> Yeah, on that screen, nothing wrong with the camera. It's just, it's just. Uh, uh, so we got these new mics, and I'm hope that they're helping us out. And and um, yeah, what's the mic called? You 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 want to make fun of me? Is what you want to? <laughs> no, do. I don't want to make fun of you. I'm gonna make fun of you. A P O G E E. It's an acronym. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Is it a? a <laughs> you know what it is. You keep making fun of me because I'm messing up. <laughs> It's a pogey or something. A pogey, apogee. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I just know some dude I calls think it apogee. apogee. Calls it apogee. <laughs> I'm not making fun of you. I'm. I, we're laughing with you, Chris. If I'm crying on the inside and laughing on the outside, does that count? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's. We're glad. We're thankful uh, to have new mics and. Hopefully they can hear us. I th- I think it's going to make people like really want to tune in now. Yeah, this is this is going to be the one that's going to push us over the edge. Cause, I mean, because now they you know, can. We're liable to get picked up nationwide. Yeah, it'll now. go viral. Hey, we want to we want to give a shout out to Ministry League. We're thankful for them. Boom, Ministry League, and uh, we're thankful that that they're including us on on their app and podcast and. Thanks again to them. We're grateful to our elders at KW for letting us do this as well. All right, so let's dive into the text. Okay, let's go. So unscripted here, Acts chapter 8. So we look at um, just kind of a recap. Philip goes down to Samaria, preaches Jesus to them. When, verse 12, when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women, we're baptized. So, what kind of? Uh, I want to ask you some questions today on this, and for for you to kind of help our listeners. And you've helped me in this passage before, and I greatly appreciate it. And and I I think that this is a passage where some people can get confused because because after these people were baptized, we see where. Where Simon's baptized, the Samar- people in Samaria are baptized, but then Peter and John hear about this, and so they come down to them, uh, and then talking about the the Holy Spirit. So I want to I want to read the text for just a second, and then we'll dive in. So many women were baptized in verse 12, 13. Simon himself believed. When he was baptized, he continued with Philip. He was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Verse 14, now when the apostles 
who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then Simon sees this. So, so I want to deal with these verse verses. 18. Let's read verse 18. All right, verse 18. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So, so here's a, here's a big question. Now, some people may may ask this; they might get confused in this passage. And we want to help. We want to help our viewers. We want to help y'all to to uh, to be clear. And we want to be clear about this. And we really think that this is something that every Christian should really listen to and pay attention to. Um. So, when it comes to this. Why do you why do you think people get confused in this passage? The only thing you can tell is an opinion, right? You can just you can just give an opinion why people get confused, but maybe the origin of the opinion is is probably a more appropriate response to the answer. So, what you have is there seems to be a certain subset of society that really when I say society, I mean Christendom, you mm-hmm. know, and, and Christianity as a whole, that feel that there must be some necessity in the Spirit's intervention with them on some level, right? Whether it whether it manifests itself in some, you know, explicitly miraculous way, or whether it's down to the simplest little nudge, you know, in in you know, kind of like this Ezekiel, you know, this still small voice, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and. Um, but what what is this a byproduct of is is really from Calvinism. So, if if you kind of take a step back and and understand that a lot of this this Holy Spirit stuff, the manifestation of it in our lives, is is a, is is a direct result of of a false understanding of salvation. So where where it where it kind of gets its origins from is in is in the TULIP principle, the acronym T-U-L-I-P. All right, what's that? So you have total depravity. You have unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and perseverance of the saints. And each one of those, the tenets of Calvinism, are based on that that kind of that that acronym of of their doctrine. And the unconditional election, limited atonement, and irresistible grace, you know, kind of run together with this this idea of the Holy Spirit scenario because what happens is if 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 you're unconditional that that God's going to choose it's limited whoever he's going to whoever he's going to choose is is only going to be certain people and it's irresistible then there's nothing you can do about it where that comes from the fact is that people could not know right how how do I know I'm one of the the limited Right, mm-hmm. the predestined is what some right. some of our religious friends may call. How do I know that I'm one of the predestined? And so, where this thing manifests itself from is like this desire that we have as people to know something. You know, John, First John would say, "My little children, I write these things to you that, so you, that you may know that you have eternal life, or you may know these things." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wanting them to he he's he's wanting them to understand the validity of it, right? That that it's an that you can really understand and know. Well, where this comes from is this idea of this of of a total faith based system, right? That it's only faith. Now you you take you know, you take Carson and Case and Coleman and Millie and Aiden and Liam and Ryan, our our seven children, mm-hmm. right? Man, we got a lot of kids together, don't we? Yeah. And the Well, I have my kids with Courtney and you have yours with Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> when you combine the tips and the dot of it, there are a lot of children. Yeah. But we don't have any together. Yeah, we're not that kind of church. Maybe that's a conversation for another day. But, <laughs> but um, you know, so so you take our boys. Yeah. All right? So you take Carson and Aiden, right? They're, they're you know, yeah. comparably the same age. 
And what what you have is two boys, you know, Millie's too young to understand this, and even Ryan or Case by and large, right? But maybe Coleman and Liam, but Aiden and, and Carson are at this age to where to where they're coming into their own sort of understanding of who God is. Right. right. They're so, eleven and twelve. Just. Yeah, yeah, right. So they're they're kinda and they can check all the boxes, right? What does it take to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. They can tell you all the things that I must do, but but it's this intellectual understanding that God wants us to have. And so, you know, that's why this Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're you're building your faith on knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not just building it on emotion or something. So so here we are at this this juncture to where with Calvinism, there needed to be a way that people could understand that they were saved. Because if it's, uh, wouldn't you hate to go through life not knowing whether you're going to go to heaven or not? Yeah, that's right. So where this comes from is, like you see some churches have this idea of testimony or, or uh, you know, that people want to get up and tell their salvation experience, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but, and then some people, it's kind of all over the map in yeah, the religious right. world as far as... Uh, the Holy Spirit and that type of thing. That's right. And, and these things are a byproduct of the fact that people could not really know that they're saved. So there must have been something that intervened in their life to let them know. There must have been some event, something. I was laying in bed at night and I had this, I was praying or I was I was out in the woods. And, yeah, and I heard this voice or I, I saw this image or had this blank, dream. Right, a, a potato chip with a burnt image of Jesus on right. it, right? I saw this rock and yeah, oh, yeah all so, kinds of things. Or for, for some of our friends, it's uh, speaking in tongues. That's that exactly right. To the, to the furthest manifestation of it, to you know what is what we would call religiously Pentecostalism, mm-hmm. where there's this manifestation of the speaking in tongues. So... Where you have this idea of the Holy Spirit from is a necessity and validity. Mm-hmm. You know, validates, the, right. Right, a necessity of, of validation. And, and certainly so, the Spirit the Spirit seals us. We, we understand that. Romans Ephesians, 8. Ephesians 1, Romans right. 8, yeah. Yeah, so the, the Spirit seals us. You know, we're sealed with the Spirit. Yeah. Now, so so what we've got to understand is, is this, is that the Spirit is not just some divine power of God. He's part of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. That's why in, in, in Acts 8 it says, verse 16, for as yet he had yeah. not fallen on any of them. So, so number one, we got to be real careful in, in not referring to the Holy Spirit as an it mm-hmm. or a thing or some gender-neutral term, right? Like, like yeah, I never God refer is... to my kids as an it. Well, well maybe if, if it's <laughs> yeah. real bad, like take it. Right. Take that thing away from you know maybe maybe when they're little right so so you parents with new babies we understand if you're saying the it's right now <laughs> yeah. but so to understand this right here you you, you kind of have to back up in Acts two in verse thirty eight when Peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right so we know that. All Christians, when they, when somebody is baptized, like you said a minute ago, you're sealed with the Spirit, right? Yeah. Just, just like Peter would say that that the Lord has given the Spirit to all of us who what obey Him, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, well Acts five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, are you going to read it or not? No, uh, I was looking at another verse. But but so so we know that everybody gets the spirit. But what we're really talking about now is the manifestation of the spirit in a miraculous way. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to understand that, we've got to understand the times, right? First Chronicles eleven, I don't know, verse fifteen says that the children of Issachar were wise to the times. You know, they they understood kind of the, the the nature of what things were going on. So so in order to really understand the narrative here, we've got to understand something about what they what's going on to them. You know, you remember in Acts two and verse twenty two when we talked about in the first conversion, yeah. you know, Peter uses Jesus, a man approved by what? Yeah, signs, wonders, miracles, yeah, proved to you by God. He could validate it. Yeah. You know that you, you can understand and know Assuredly, here's here's how you can validate it because you saw these things that Jesus did. That's right. So now it brings us to the point: what is the need? What is the what is the necessity of the manifestation of the Spirit? Well, you you got to think about something. All right. And Romans, I mean, in Acts eight, Philip goes down to Samaria, 
right? And what's he doing? Yeah, he's, he's preaching, teaching he's preaching Jesus. To him, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if you follow along, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Where is it at? Verse 6. Uh, verse 5, Philip went down to the city. Acts 8, verse 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. He's doing the same thing that Peter said in Acts 2, verse 22. He's confirming the messenger. Right. Mm-hmm. So the people are seeing it, right? So here's the question. Here goes back to our original question. What, what does the confusion come from? Well, the confusion really comes from the understanding of the necessity of the Spirit, miraculous manifestation in the first century as opposed to today. What you find here in Acts 8 is Simon, in verse 16, when Simon, I mean verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered him money. If you back up, Verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they may receive the, they may receive the Holy Spirit. So here you go. What you're having is Philip is preaching the gospel to them, right? They're baptized. Are they saved then? Absolutely. I mean, I personally think so, but... Some people could be confused because they they see this, okay, well, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 says uh, in verse 3, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so I think what confusion is with people is that they see this, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them yet. And so... They think, well, okay, had they received the Spirit, you know, when when they were, when they were baptized, because it says they had only been baptized in the in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I think some confusion for people would be, uh, wow, okay, is me being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ not good enough? And I think that that's a some confusion that some people have. Well, okay, so why did why did why did these apostles have to come down then? Why did Peter and John have to come down? So uh, the the I think the link to that, uh, you know, really interesting is that if you turn where, where you're at there in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. In 1 Corinthians 12, if you read just a few verses ahead, in verse 13 it says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews, whether slaves, or free, and have been all made to drink, and one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So that verse teaches us that when we're baptized, right? Mm-hmm. We're ba- you know, Acts 2 and verse 47, the Lord adds to the church. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, you know, the head of the body, the yeah. church, yep. right? Really... So whichever, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we're added to the church, we're drinking of that spiritual drink. Now, in 1 Corinthians 13 you know, we read this, and I don't mean to offend anybody or, or anything like that, of course, but we read this at weddings and, and you know, these all kinds of events with regards to, you know, maybe a Valentine's Day poem or we yeah. have it on our wall or something Yeah, the like love that. chapter. The love chapter. Now, does it, does it, is the core of it about love? It, it sure is, mm-hmm. right? The core of this chapter is about love. The reason why the core of this chapter is about love is because Paul at, at Corinth, they're having the same, uh, 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 kind of the same problem, right? Well, the, the use of the miracles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Paul had been to Corinth in Acts 18, and, and we may study that in our conversion scenario, but, but in Acts 18, you find that Paul starts the church at Corinth. So, so we know that Paul was at Corinth, and we know that later on he writes this letter to him, okay? Now, now turn with me. Before we get to 1 Corinthians 13, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Yeah, that's a good passage. I think I know where you're going with that. In Romans 1, in verse number 11, it says, For I long. Now, there's no record of Paul having visited the Roman church. 
right? Uh, right. Uh, as far as uh, up until this letter is written, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you follow the segue of the book of Acts, and at the end he ends up in Rome, right? Right. But what, when he writes this letter to the actual church at Rome, you know, it, it appears he's never been there. Verse 11, because it says, For I long to see you that I may do what? Impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Established, right? Established. You you think about the word established. I mean that's 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 homesteaded, right? That's mm-hmm. fully, you know, like like we're 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 all good now, right? right. You know, we're gonna if I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm gonna establish a home. I'm gonna and with that it means that everything that I've got is taken care of, right? Now to understand a little bit more about the spirit, let's turn back over to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Yeah, and and while we're turning back there, that's an interesting thing. You know, Paul in First Corinthians, he's dealing with spiritual gifts here, and he's dealing with their issues of of these of these spiritual gifts and the things that have been imparted to them. And uh, but you know, all through the book of Romans, he never had to deal with that issue, and that's a that's a proven point there because. He hadn't imparted nothing had been imparted to the Church of Rome yet. That's right. There's no, you know, there's no miraculous conversations. Mm-hmm. You know that that there is at, at Corinth. In Corinth, what what you're finding is is that yeah, you know, different from the Roman Church is that Corinth is a melting pot, right? So if you look at we we, we probably should have got a map so we can have it up here before we did this. But this would happen when you're unscripted. <laughs> but Corinth is a is a melting pot, and where is that is on. So, in, in an ancient world... Say that again. It's a seaport. I was going to try to go to this other thing. So, yeah, it's a seaport. Big yeah, it's, seaport. it's a seaport. And so, it's a place where there's going to be just all kinds of people coming. All kinds of people from all over the world. I, I, you know, it's not uncommon for Europeans to speak half a dozen languages, especially people up in Sweden, Denmark, Denmark. Uh, uh, yeah, because there's all kinds of people rolling through exactly. there. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there's a saying that says if you speak three languages, you're trilingual, Two languages, you're bilingual. One language, you're an American. Yeah, that's me, <laughs> cold-blooded, red-blooded American. And so, but what 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 happens at Corinth is that there's a problem with the miraculous. And so, for chapters twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, that's what Paul's going to deal with is the miraculous. Yeah, the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts, because what what's going on as you see in in chapter fourteen manifesting itself so much is that. That people are getting up in the middle of the service, and this guy's speaking in tongues, and that guy's speaking in tongues, and and they're all kind of showing off. Yeah, there's lots of confusion, and Paul says God's not the author of confusion. Exactly right. But but what he's showing them here is in chapter thirteen is if you pick up, and we're just going to skim through some of these things. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I become as a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. You know, what was apparent here was that the Corinthians thought that the speaking in tongues was the most important one. Right. right? And they thought this was just the the, the big dog one. And, and, I, and apparently, and you can see how this would be a great thing to have in a place where there's all these different people coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there's all these different languages spoken, right? And he says... So he's going to go through and he's going to list some of the miraculous manifestations here. Though I have the gift of prophecy. That's right. That's a gift there. Gift of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but not love, I am nothing. So then he goes through. And I think, I think, I just want to stop you there for a second. I think a lot of people in today's times that they see these as, as as great things but they don't see them as miraculous gifts of the spirit like it would have been in that day and time and so you got to think about it like paul he drops into corinth right and he, in acts 18 we find that the corinthian church has started paul has got to move on like in acts 19 you're going to find you know it says the beginning in acts 19 it says paul having passed through the upper coast of ephesus finding some disciples and begin to ask him have you received the spirit since you believed Mm -hmm. they said we've not so much as even heard of the spirit so so what you're seeing is is this 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 kind of this glimpse this snapshot here because what happens is when paul starts his congregation very few does he stay at it for any amount of time you know he stays at ephesus for two years with the school of tyrannus and but but his job is is to start these fires of the lord's church across the the roman world and so he can't just you know we go on a campaign what what do we carry with us tracks 
Bibles, yeah. you know, information, right? They had no way to do that in the first century. Right. So, so where that comes from was this. When Paul would start a congregation, he was an apostle, right? right. Mm-hmm. So Paul then could, could lay hands on these people, yeah. and then they could have this source of knowledge. I mean, you, you know, so if, if, if I need this, this, how else are they going to know what to do to continue on as God's people? I mean, in Ephesians 4, it says that, that the church is sanctified by the Word, mm-hmm. right? By the washing of the water, by the Word. It's set apart by God's Word. And so if you think about the fact that God's church, his people, are going to continually need to be sanctified. You remember Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Yeah, for your, your word is truth. Your yeah. word is truth. John 17, yeah. Yeah, so what what you're going to find is that Paul, there's a necessity in, in, in leaving behind this miraculous ability that they can have so that they can continue the work, right? They can validate what they're saying. If I just come, if I just post up somewhere and say, hey, this... Um, uh, let me tell you about this guy that died. And, you know, as a matter of fact, if you just believe in him and you put your faith in him and are willing to be his subject, and and now he's dead, but he came back and he's in heaven. Now, you can't really see him now, but he's in heaven, and I promise you. You just need to put your faith in him the rest of your life, and you'll get to live with him for eternity. That's a pretty big sale to give somebody. Yeah. I mean, you got to be a pretty good snake oil salesman to hand that off, right? Right. But... But if I could take somebody that you knew had been blind their whole life or somebody that was crippled. You can validate it. You can validate it. That's right. So so Paul would need to leave behind. the. I say leave behind, right? Maybe in the wake of, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. right? Because Paul's job is a missionary, right? He's not a he's not a localized evangelist like Philip would would later be, right? He is he's a missionary. His job is is the the book of Acts is really about the beginning of the New Testament church, and it, and it follows Paul's journey to yeah, do that. He didn't spend he didn't spend much time at many places. Now he did he did set up camp for for a little bit, a couple places, but but that's it. All in all, yeah. He, his, his, it's it's a migratory journey. Right. So he leaves behind this ability for them to have access of knowledge. Right, so they got to have a source of knowledge. So that that's that's a miraculous. So if you need to know, like what's what's an immoral thing to do, right? What's an what's a what is a a moral thing to do? Not mm-hmm. immoral or moral thing. How are you going to know that, right? It's not like it's not like they had the codex that we have today. Right, right? it wasn't bound. And they didn't have all these. They didn't have scrolls upon scrolls upon scrolls. It's and so certainly if you're setting up, if you're establishing churches. There's, there's got to be one person might be given, have the apostles laid hands on them to give, to give the gift of knowledge so that they could say, hey, what's this, you know, what, what is the, what is the book say, or what's the Old Testament say about this? They miraculously have that knowledge. Somebody else has the, has the ability to, to speak in tongues or something so they communicate with, with a foreigner. Somebody else has the ability to, to lay hands on somebody and to do something so that way, um, something miraculous. That way we can confirm that the message is, is truly correct. And those things were needed because they didn't have the written word yet. Right. And so, so what you find then is, is in, if you, if you keep reading chapter 13, you know, you have the chunk through there, love, you know, it's not puffed up, doesn't envy, all these things. Because Paul's, Paul's trying to drive this home, this point home to him that, that love is, is going to be more important that's as right. time goes on than any of this stuff. Yeah, and that's what 31 says in chapter 12. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Exactly. I'm going to show you the, the better way. So, so what we come to here then is verse... Um, Verse eight. Verse eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says love never fails. Right? That'll never. That that will never. You know, love is one of these crazy things. I mean, my boys are named after Virginia's first governor, Patrick Henry. You know why? Because I. Love he was a lot better than the governor they got now. That's Amen sure. to that. Amen. And 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 you know why? Because I love freedom. Yeah. You know, and that name represents something to me. I mean, love invokes into something that's an emotional response that motivates us. Right. And, and Paul says, listen, that, that thing right there will never, ever fail. It's a bond that carries throughout history that holds us together. And right? it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But what he does say, love is never going to falter. That's right. But what he does say is where there are prophecies, what? They'll, they'll fail. fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. They'll cease. Whether there is knowledge, It'll vanish away. That's right. So let's stop there for a second. All right. So, so you think about this. So we understand that 
All right. So my knowledge, it's not he's not talking about people are going to get dementia and they're going to their knowledge is going to go away. Right. He's not talking about the fact that that uh that people are going to quit speaking in a foreign language in right. a tongue. He's not talking about the fact that people are going to quit uh understand we understand in chapter 14 that prophesying is teaching. That's right. That, that, and so it's not that those things are going to ever completely diminish and go away. But it's the miraculous ability for you to have that sure. is going to go away. And so you think about this, okay? So the, how we know peripherally, see the Bible, it's, you know. And, it's and the best. It's the best. You yeah. know, it provides its own best commentary. Like I've thought about, you know, I don't know how you were 20 years ago, but I used to always wonder, like, why, God, why wouldn't you just write things like, you need to repent of your sins. Yeah. You need to be immersed in water to be buried, to have your right. sins forgiven, to contact the blood. I mean, like, why would yeah. he write it that why way? Can't, why can't we have the salvation chapter? Here's yeah, everything you need exactly. to know. You know why? Because us lazy, God knew there would be lazy Americans, and the only thing we would read would be the salvation chapter. And we would still manipulate that. That's right. right? And so the Spirit, in his wisdom, not its wisdom, but his wisdom, when he delivers us this, right? And we're going to get into that in a minute. We get to see this whole big, broad picture. So how we know that the miraculous was not just an expendable thing, like it was just a Superman power, right? Like if I was Superman, like I, I would do things in my life a lot differently, yeah, right? right? Like I would never buy gas again, you know? <laughs> right. It wouldn't matter to me if it was a dollar or five dollars, right? But but the, the reason why, you think about this in First Corinthians uh, I mean, Second Corinthians twelve, when Paul prays to the Lord to remove this yeah, thorn, the thorn in, his, in the flesh. Yeah, and and uh, who was it? Trophimus. He left at Ephesus sick, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all these. If if he could just, if it was just like Superman power that was to his own discretion, then why wouldn't he just heal? Why himself? wouldn't he heal himself? And that's the thing. So here's the cool thing. So Acts nineteen tells us, I think it's verse nine. It tells us that that unusual miracles were done by the hands of Paul. Acts nineteen eleven. Now, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So you take this little handkerchief and rub it on Paul, and take it to somebody else, and it heals them. But yet Paul he prays to God three times, get rid of this thorn in my flesh. So that here's, the, and you you're making that point as well is the fact that. Christianity or or this this miraculous ability, Paul. It's not so that you can be Superman. That's it's right. not so that you can do miracles. It's not what it's for. Is is to confirm the message. And if it's not confirming the message, it's no good. It's no good. It's no good. And so the Lord's not allowing it. Exactly right. So if we stop right there and 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 if we read like for verse nine, for we know in part First Corinthians thirteen and yep. verse nine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Now let's stop right there, mm-hmm. okay? Let's just say what that means. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Let's let's turn to, to really capture that. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Pick up in verse, I don't know, we can really, verse 11, right? Yep. So now, now, just keep in mind that this whole Ephesians four, as we would call it, is is built on this oneness, this mm-hmm. unity, right? Unity, yeah. You know, this one Lord, one faith, one hope, one back. You know, all these different things, these oneness. You know, trying to, you know, these Ephesians are sitting there, you know, in, in the church in the city of Ephesus, seeing the temple of Diana, right? Right. That took all the corruption in the city. Yeah, and, yeah, and they can see that, and and. and Paul is, is is the Ephesians is the one where Paul, you know, we know the mind of God, you know, the manifold wisdom of God, all these things that he's telling them. Well, in Ephesians 4, in verse number 11, he says, listen, God, or, or, or the Lord, he and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. What reason? Yeah, for the equipping of the saints. For the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. Till when? To it all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To be established, right? Romans 1 and verse 11, I desire that I may come to impart some of the spiritual gifts to you that you might be established. This, this complete man, right? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be what? Children tossed to and fro, carried away by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men 
and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. So, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is head, the, who is the head, Christ. So just keeping in mind that, that Paul points to this time in Ephesians 4 when there's going to be this, this um, complete equipping Right, mm-hmm. that there's going to be this part where we're going to that we're going to be grown up in Christ. We're going to be mature. Right, right? when 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 somebody that's forty years old acts like a, a twelve year old, what do we or an eight year old? What do we say? Yeah, they're, they're immature. Acting, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're acting childish. They're acting immature. Right, you know, or, or you ever told your kids act your age? No, I've never. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, well, there's a reason why. It's because there's a there's an understanding that with with time maturation happens, and that was what was going to happen with the church. So now. Back to 1 Corinthians 13, okay? So all this stems from this one question. This one question, and here it goes. Why did Simon see Peter and John laying the hands on the apostles? Let's just keep that in the back of our mind. Why are we seeing the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Why? What was the need in it, right? So, so let's go back to it right here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 10. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. Yeah, another word for perfect... Could be complete. Complete. And I think the Greek word there is teleos. Telios. I forget exactly which one it is. But, you know, it's a gender-neutral word. Mm-hmm. So it's not a word that is, like, you, you're going to assign a gender to. It's not a, it's not a male nor a female. It's a gender-neutral word. When that which is complete or that which is whole, that which is, you know, this fullness, this, this uh, mature. Yes, yeah, so, some, yeah, so what some people, some people think... Well, that's Jesus coming back. No, he, he's already came because here, here's, here's how you know they're not talking about the judgment day. Clear that up. He hasn't already come back. Yeah, yeah I'm saying he, he's already came. He's already been here one time and, and done what he needed to do. That's right, right. yeah. In, in, in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 8. But what I'm saying is some people think that it's the, it's the end of time, that when that which is complete has come. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's how you can start back and realize that it's a gender-neutral term, right? It's not a norm, male nor female. You would never assign, like we talked about in the beginning, you would never assign an it to a person. Right. Especially in, in, in grammatically correct writings. You may, you may do it in the throes of your anger, right? But you wouldn't do it in an instructive letter. Correct? Yep. You got that Greek word right. Telios. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought it was. Good job. So at the end of that, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What's in part? We know in part. We prophesy in part. We, we you know, all these things are apportioned out amongst us, right? Verse 11. Here we go back to this, this childish thing. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away a childish things. For now, now, right, Paul is in this yeah. current time mm-hmm. that Paul's writing this, whatever it is, AD sixty, right? right? The, Roughly May mm-hmm. the whatever the date is, fourteenth. You know, on May the fourteenth, AD sixty, we see in part, right? We 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 see in a mirror dimly. Right, it, it's this this foggy picture. You ever you ever see? My uncle used to have an old farmhouse that was part of a plantation, and I remember inside it there was an old mirror over top of the mantel. Story time, folks. Story time. And the uh, you could walk in and you could just barely see yourself. You could catch the outline of who you were, but the the gray in or whatever that stuff is they put on that metallic paint they put on the back of it was wearing off. And and that's what Paul is saying. Like like right now. We're just looking at this to this dim look. You know, it's not completely clear. But then, but then it's going to be face to face. Face to face. It'll be as clear as the nose on your and face. And I think that's why some people think that, hey, he's talking about Jesus coming back. And they can get really confused about that. So that which is complete is what? The Codex, the Bible, what we have here. Because here's how you know. For I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. In other words, I'll know it. Just as plain as a nose on my face, it's not going to be, I'm not going to, that goes back to the thing we talked about at the beginning. My little children, I write these things to you that you may know. 
That you right? have eternal Romans life. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, all, you'll know the truth and the truth. Of, all these things that, the, that, that are pointing to this understanding of what God wants us to do is going to come right from here, right? Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So what you're seeing is, is Paul is saying, listen, there's going to be a time when, when the miraculous is going to cease. We, we will not need the validation of the miraculous anymore because at the, by the end of the first century, the message has been, has been validated by so many Christians giving their lives for the cause. The message is going to be validated by the spread of Christianity throughout the whole Roman world. That by the end of the first century, all these things that they were, were required in the beginning is going to be validated. They're, they're not going to need the validity of... of, of of um, you know some kind of miraculous intervention. You know why? Because they're going to have a, as simple as as I can put it, they're going to have a user manual, right? They're going to, you know, that's why Paul in First Corinthians sixteen and one, you know, we quote this verse with regards to the offering. You say, you know, now as I told the churches of Galatia, so also I say unto you upon the first day of the, you know, Paul tells the Colossians that the letter I wrote to the Laodiceans, get that letter and read that, mm-hmm. and, and you read the letter that I'm, you know, you know, swap this thing around so that they we know. That the Bible was originally intended, that, that the letters Paul wrote was originally intended to become gospel. They, they understood that. We looked at that in, in 2 Peter 3. Did we look at that on our podcast? Uh, I think we had before, but yeah, we need to read again. That one was in my mind, too. Yeah, so in 2 Peter 3, at the end of 2 Peter 3, it's going to be the last few verses here. Verse 15, it says, um, And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, is also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him. Mm-hmm. Right? How did he get it? Miraculously, it him, yeah. Right? It was given to him. Has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking them of these things, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught, and unstable people twist to their own destruction. And here's how Peter, with one, you know, swipe of ink from yeah, an in, through the spirit, through the spirit, wisdom of the spirit here, yeah, lays down Paul's writings. Now, you, 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 anytime we say Romans fifteen four, what's everything's given before time? Yeah, written for our learning. Yeah, that's Old Testament, right? Second, scriptures, all right. scriptures given by inspiration of God. That's that's Old Testament scriptures. What mm-hmm. they're talking about. They would have never argued the fact whether those were, were authoritative, were gospel, were, were an absolute and explicit, right? So what Peter does right here, boom, is he lays on plain all their writings with the Old Testament scriptures by this one phrase, people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. rest of the scriptures. So what he's saying is Paul's writings, they're the scriptures. They've laid them right on the same plane as Moses' writings that he wrote to the children of Israel and, and or any one of our minor prophets or the major prophets. That's and right. So, and so so here being in 2 Peter chapter 1, I just want to reference this verse as well. Verse 3, we know it. According to his divine power? Yes, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And so today we have... We have it all. It's been given to us. And so it's not that he's going to give it to you. It's not that you're going to need something else. It's his divine power. God's power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um, so we don't we don't need anything else but the scriptures. And I think we've established that in our in our podcast. So let's go back to uh to first Corinthians thirteen. And you have that we you know we know in part we prophesy in part but when that which has come that which is perfect has come that which is complete has come. So God had this plan that that He was going to put in our hands essentially. You know, there's only one sinner's prayer. You know, the the sinner's prayer, the one that God guarantees is going to answer is this: seek and you'll find. I mean, mm. you see that in Acts eight with the eunuch. That's what He's doing, right? And I don't mean to steal our thunder. You know, for our next conversion, but the eunuch is reading his. Um, yeah, he's reading this copy. And he's of Isaiah. searching. That's right. He's searching, and he asks Philip. You know, who's this man talking about? Right, right, right. right. And, and God makes this poof. This, this. So, so, how does God make the answer? I, I just don't know. Right, but He promises 
The Lord said, seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened unto you. That's, that's the sinner's prayer that God answers, right? There's no pray yourself into heaven, right? right? You know, and, and, and we, we find Paul praying for three days. If, if praying for three days would save you, then yep. surely Paul would have made it. And we'll get into that in Acts 9. Yeah. So, so when you go back to Acts chapter 8, we see that people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And according to other scriptures, according to Acts 2, our conversion before this, Jesus is enough. You know, you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Of course, Jesus told them, you know, you go and, and you, you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's the, it's the same baptism. And, and when you, but what happens here is, is I think there's some terminology, and this is a great thing you pointed out before. So, so what terminology here, and I think if people understand this terminology, the, it makes all this in Acts eight a lot more clear, and I want you to I want you to touch on that, verse sixteen. Oh yeah, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, right? Is that what you're talking about? The yes. fallen on. Mm-hmm. So here here's you see this fallen on. Okay, so we back up a little bit again, right? You know Isaiah prophesies long before this that God is going to give the the that bring the Gentiles into this highway of holiness, this way of salvation, you know, all these things. And, and when he does, he's going to give them a new name, right? That and, and you don't find Acts 11, the disciples were first called Christians where? At yeah, Antioch. That, yeah, right? Antioch, yeah. So, so but, but what happens in Acts 11 precedes, I mean, must be preceded by understanding what happens in Acts chapter 10. So in order to understand that, you know, Acts 8... And then Acts nine, and then Acts 10, Acts nine is Saul's conversion. Acts ten is the cor- the com- conversion of Cornelius. So, in Acts chapter ten, what you find is is that Peter is coming down to uh, he he's been sent by God to Cornelius's house. There's no Gentiles in the church at this point, right? It's still a completely Jewish church. Acts 10 and verse 1, it says there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called an Italian regiment. So verse 2, a devout man who feared God with his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So you're going to see an intervention here that's going to take place one time and one time alone. Yeah. Are you want to go into all that today? Is that what you want to do or not? Well, I I don't care. If we're going to talk about the fallen on them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. That's fine. Yeah, so 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 Cornelius has got this. He's he's this. Um, he 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 sees his vision in verse three. You know the angel tells him he, he you know that your your prayers have come up before God. Verse four, verse five. He said, "Now send men to Joppa to Simon, whose name is Peter." So so he's got to go get Peter, right? So Peter goes through this powwow with him about you know God says. You know, the sheet coming down. Yeah, God set all this up, right. Right, God set all this stuff up. You know, he, he's kind of staging it for people. And we'll give a full commentary on, yeah, on exactly. Cornelius' house another yep. time. Yeah. So what happens is then Peter gets to Cornelius' house, right? And we're not going to get into the salvation of Cornelius, but we're going to get on into the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're keying in on today. We're not avoiding the subject. We just had not got there yet. That's right. Mm-hmm. Tune in later. So Acts uh, 10 of verse 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows partiality, but in every nation who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching to them. Let's see here. Preaching peace through Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah, uh-huh. And so he, so he, uh, Peter keeps preaching Jesus to him, And... Uh, Okay, in verse 44. 44 is where you're get, trying to get to, yeah. Yeah, right. So Peter's preaching to him, right? And, mm-hmm. and verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews, Luke's writing this, right? Mm-hmm. So he uses Gentile terms, right? right? Those of the circumcision who believe were astonished as many with Peter because the Holy, the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured out on the Gentiles also, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's right. So th- this whole thing here, it's not about the fact that that they are. It's not about necessarily their salvation. It's about this manifestation of the Spirit upon the Gentiles as well. And so, because because well. you look at yeah validation, you look at verse forty five. 
44, the Holy Spirit, um, speaking these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who, who heard the word. Immediately, he doesn't say, and so and so they're now they're saved and all those kinds of things. He doesn't go into all that. The, the very first thing he says right immediately after that is the, the confirmation to those who, who could not believe. That's right. Because... Because in in Acts eleven they're gonna they're gonna really sit Peter down and scold him saying that's right what are you doing you went into uncircumcised yeah exactly and and, 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 and that's why he says and those are the circumcision let's say Peter right right those who the circumcision were uh, uh, who believed that's Christians that's right, right. that's Jewish Christians mm-hmm. those are that were astonished as many as with Peter so it's not just you know Peter you know if you keep reading in Acts eleven Peter kind of says like he, he kind of He's reasoning this thing out on the way. You know, mm-hmm. on the way, it says, when I was on the way traveling, you know, it kind of come to him, what's going on? By the time he gets to Cornelius' house, that's why he says, I perceive that God... Shows you know, no partiality. Yeah, whoever, whatever nation, right, and all this and that and the other. But he says, those who are the circumcision, those with him, right? Mm-hmm. So and then verse chapter 11, if you go over here, it'll be about verse uh, 14 or 15, yeah, Um uh, let's see here. F- just pick up in verse fifteen. He's recounting it, right? right. This is mm-hmm. this is the the the, the interrogation yeah. room, right? Right. The the those are the the those of the circumcision who were now believers in Christ, but now they're indicting Peter, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Verse three. You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Exactly. What are you doing? But Peter explained to him in the order from the beginning. So he's right. he's pleading the case for Christ here, the fact that he's allowing the Gentiles for salvation as well. And as I began to speak in verse fifteen, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Yeah. And so he's using that terminology, fell oh, upon. Exactly right. Looking at verse, going back to ten uh, forty four, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and so it's a it's a miraculous thing that they're falling upon, and, and you know, and here's something too to point out for for other believers, there are multiple verses in the Old Testament that talks about people being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sure, go go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. and so. Uh, you know, you you look at here's one for you, Exodus thirty five, you in verse thirty, and Moses said to the children of Israel, "See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the uh, the son of Ur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, and so to build the tabernacle. Yeah, and so. God, it, it's not now that it's it's not the fact now that that all the, the Holy Spirit is going to start working in people's lives yeah. in the New Testament. It's God has been working with people through the Holy Spirit the whole time, but now there's going to be a great and awesome day, which we see in Acts two that was prophesied about. Uh, but we're we're seeing that so. This is not the the first time that the Holy Spirit's ever been working in people's lives. That's right, and and you know, and we we could probably spend some more time looking at this, but we'll be here for three hours. But and, and you know, I remember David tells Solomon, Solomon, you know how we speak from wisdom. Mm-hmm. He's the first one that I can that I have found, and it may be in there. And there's a lot of more smarter people than me out here, but the first one that I found that 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 speaks conversationally uh, as a known, right? Solomon, you know how we speak these things from from the Spirit. God's Spirit inspires us to do these things. And and so yeah, the Spirit worked throughout the the whole known of the Bible. Yeah. Right? He 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 did his job from the beginning. However, he had a very unique job, a very unique role that he played in the first century. That's right. And and so what we got to understand is that when we read the book of Acts, we're reading the history timeline however you want to say it, of the spread of the New Testament church, the Lord's church in the first century. And so because of that, they didn't have this codex. They didn't have this, the written word, right. this written word that we have now. Now, Paul tells them, that's what 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians is about. Like, listen, you guys are making a big deal about something that's eventually going to go away. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry, don't worry about Something that's not that important right now. Your mic's been off for 15 minutes, I think. Has it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, uh, I just turned it up because I thought, I'm getting loud to myself. Yeah. and, and it, Right. So so looking at this, why in Acts 8, why would, why would Peter and John, what is it that, that the, Samaria, the church in Samaria, 
What is it that they need that's miraculous? They, they need it for the same reason that we need our Bible today. They needed it so that they can have a source of knowledge. They needed it so they could continue the work of God. So they can, they can be harbingers of this message. Yuan Helio, we looked at last week, right? Evangelizing. Mm-hmm. And, and they need to be able to, to, to establish themselves, right? To, to, to kind of fortify from within. Yeah, so, so were there, historically, were there, were there God's people in Samaria? Yes. All right. And then here's another question is, all right, these people, you know, we look at Jews and Samaritans. You know, we, we've talked about that with the whole, you know, woman at the well with Jesus that didn't get along and that kind of thing. But these, Philip, Philip is fixing to, Philip's fixing to leave. He's a gypsy. Yeah, I mean, it, he's it, in a van, <laughs> traveling a van. Yeah, I mean, gypsy. It, it, right. I mean, you know, you, what you we used to call them circuit preachers. I don't know if that's a kind of an understood term anymore or not, but that's what Philip is. He's a circuit preacher. You, you see that because in Acts eight, boom, he's on the the. Yeah, he's fixing to leave. He's going to be on the, the spirit's going to call right. him away. Exactly right. Now later on, we find Philip stationed. Right. As a matter of fact, he's got two daughters that are that are uh, prophetesses or whatever. Yeah. But he's stationed later on. Well, well, right now maybe it's because he's younger. Maybe it's because he doesn't have, you know, the the ties that like you and I have with our mm-hmm. family and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a million things that can be the reason yeah. why, but it's the Lord what He wanted. That's right. And and so we look at this. So this church, so the church is being established in Samaria now, right? But they they've got no preacher, right? So what do they need? That's exactly right. They need the laying on of the apostles' hands. They need someone who's going to have this this knowledge, mm-hmm. this miraculous gift of knowledge. Somebody with a gift of wisdom, somebody with a gift of prophesying and communicating and teaching, and and so it makes perfect sense when you look at it from this whole realm. So we know that we've taken y'all kind of way big around. Yeah, what the Apostle Paul did, he used right. to, he used to teach, and then he would go around this way to bring you back full circle. And now I'm going away from my camera. So, and that, but that's exactly what's happening here in Acts eight is that these people were established when they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, they became Christians. They, they had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. But what they had not been given was the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit, and therefore the apostles had to come and lay their hands on them. That's right. And, and it, was only, it was only for that reason, right? It was temporal. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say whether or not, and, and it's just like arguing whether Adam had a belly button, but the Bible doesn't say whether the miraculous stopped with the death of the apostles, or it stopped with whoever they laid their hands on. It doesn't. It doesn't really say that. It just right. kind of. But we do know this. We do know this that the spirit's miraculous job in the first century was to validate the messenger. That's right. It was to equip the saints. You know, a source of knowledge, right? Yeah. To, to build up the body, as Paul would say. Mm-hmm. Before they had the written word, right? Before they had the written word, and it was to to save souls. And 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 today we have that written right we have these things written down for the exact same purposes for the for the saving of souls for the equipping of the of the of the uh, church and for the validation of it because we got these old testament prophecies that we can validate through to these Absolutely. new testament fulfillments it's amazing what god's word is that i mean you can validate so many things they're, they're doing things through archaeology things are written in the book i mean it's just amazing the the what it, it's the the fact that it truly is inspired word of god but I want I want this to be clear too with our listeners is that we believe in the power of God today. Absolutely. And and if you get if you get cancer, we're going to pray for you. You get in a car accident, we're going to pray for you. We believe in 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 the power of prayer and God intervening. But there is a difference today between what I think people use that term miracle right. very loosely today. Sure. And a miracle today. What people are calling miracles today are are blessings from God, but it's not miraculous like what what happened when Jesus walked the earth and what happened when the apostles were right. were were healing people. Because miracles are they defy the laws of nature. That's the kicker. And so if if my hand if if my hand is is cut off, all right, or if if I get electrocuted, so one of my best friends, all right. One of my best friends was electrocuted in 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 uh, early two thousands. All right, 
And um, so when he was when he was electrocuted, uh, he was hit by seventy two hundred volts. He's a power lineman. All right. It uh it went out of his left hand and went out of his right index finger. Well, so we prayed for him while he was in Erlanger Hospital, the burn unit, and they're saying we just you know his his hand's dead, and so it's pretty much remove your hand or you're gonna die because gangrene's gonna set up and all those different things. So they had to amputate his left hand. Well, we prayed for to God to heal his hand and to make it happen. God's answer was no. You know, seventy two hundred volts just went through that thing. So they had to remove his right index finger and his and his left forearm. I want people to honestly ask themselves here it's been uh it's been fifteen years later. Are you gonna pray for Jared's hand to come back? Because if you are, then you still believe in miracles. And for his hand to grow back, not over time, instantly, right. that would be a miracle. And and why? So so let's just go back to the test of it, right? I mean that's a, that's a perfect analogy. Why is it that today we think that the manifestation of the spirit is just in speaking in tongues? And and, and by the way, when we say that term in a modern terminology, we're talking about gibberish. Yeah. You, you know when when they're saying tongues in the Bible, yeah, that's why Luke records how hear we every man in our own tongue, right? Our own language. Yeah, Acts right? two, right? Right. So so how come it's gibberish? manifestation of just some old craziness, right? Just blah, 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 whatever it is. Why is it that the only way? Why? When is the last time you ever saw somebody raised from the dead? Dorcas is stone dead in Acts 9. Yeah. Peter brings her back to life. Raised her up. And you're going to have people who are going to say, well, I prayed for this person and they came back and this person was underwater for 45 minutes and you're going to have those kind of things. But no, Dorcas... She's dead. She's dead. You know, she's dead. And 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 so here's the thing. Let's just say that somebody comes back from the life that of the life that's been in the ice for forty five minutes. I, I don't want to take any away from that person who's back to life. Mm-hmm. But what was the reason for it? That's right. You see, there the, if you read Acts nine, when Peter raises Dorcas from the dead. It, the the very next verse, you know, I say the very next, but by the end of Acts nine, the word is, is spreading like wildfire again because of it. Right. So all those things were all the miraculous were centered around this idea of the propagation of the message. You got to remember that God, Second Peter three, right before you know, Peter wraps up this powwow. He he's telling them that listen, you 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 can't think that God is lazy or that he's slack or that that something's going on. He wants us to be saved more than anything. He wants us to go to heaven. And so if 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 somebody if something if if some kind of event like some kind of miraculous thing was going to happen in the first century, it's not because of the fact that that God just wanted to show His power, right? Right. It's not because God just wanted to show off. It's just because God wanted us to be with Him forever, forever, and that's what He wanted. And so, why is it today that you go to a to a church that that speaks in tongues? That everybody, that half the church there can speak in tongue, but they still got handicap signs. That's right. I mean, why is there a handicap parking? It looks like... Yeah, that, why, why aren't people being healed miraculously right there? Yeah, I mean, there should be somebody out front that's like, you park here, right? This is the this yeah. is the former handicap parking. That's right. We want you to park here so that you when you walk in, we're going to heal you of your ailments. Yeah. And it's just, it doesn't happen. The reason is because it's not needed anymore. That's exactly right. And because if it was just to heal the physical ailments, we've already covered that. Paul with a thorn in the flesh... Why wouldn't God allow him to heal himself so he can keep on teaching and keep on preaching? Absolutely. So what what you find here in Acts eight is even the wisdom of the Spirit with the fact with regards to the fact that Simon says no. I mean Peter says no. You you know you know Simon would have been a plague to having the Spirit, right? You know because he had so much baggage. So this it's not like Peter and John. You know you don't even get to see a, 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 an example of them getting to choose who gets what gift. You see what I'm saying? Like Peter's like, okay, Bob, you can have tongues. Okay, Courtney, you can have yeah. knowledge, mm-hmm. you know, or, or whatever. So you know what you're finding here is that no, 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 no. There, there, there's this job that the apostles have to do. They come down, right? Philip is there preaching. You have these this a church 
this church established. They need to come down to lay hands on them so that the people can receive this miraculous. Just like Paul told Timothy, you know, stir up the gift in you that was on you from when I what? Laid hands on you. That's right. And so, you know, there was a need in the first century for them to do that. Today, we have no need. Amen. So if, and so we, we have the same terminology of, of the falling upon of the Spirit and the laying on of the hands. Verse 16 of Acts 8, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. Uh, verse 17, Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And then verse 18, Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was, was given. Um, he wanted that power and... And so we see that it's the power that these apostles have. It's the power of these messengers, and it's it's to confirm the word. So we hope that that this is cleared up. Acts eight for for some of you and Chris. I, I just thank you so much for um, for doing this, and uh, we hope that that this clears it up. If you if you are uh, if you're not clear about this and you have other questions, certainly um, you can comment on this Facebook post. Uh, you can also, we're planning to have this on YouTube. You can comment in that comment section as well or call us up, whatever. Um, yeah, we, we wanna... just want people to understand that, you know, here's the blessing. What I really want people to understand from this is that the miracles had a place, but, oh, baby, how important is your Bible then? That's right. How important is your Bible? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 our direct access. You, you know, I've said this before, but... I tried for a long time to use my tablet for my Bible, and it constantly bothered me, you know, because there's always that message and always that little notification or something. Because mm-hmm. my tablet, while it's when I got my Bible open, it's connected to God, but it's still connected to everything else. This is the only thing that I've got that's only connected to God, the only thing that I have. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about the eunuch. This is the Unscripted Podcast.